bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad man. I'm a black man in a white world. If I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in your way. Hello, and I'm back here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Today's guest is what in the sports world you would call a slash but he's not in the sports world. And we'll find out more next here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Our summers are so short in Minnesota, it can be easy to forget about important safety measures. And when extreme heat is involved, safety is even more critical. Here are a few things to remember to keep you and your loved ones, including your pets, safe and comfortable. One, remember to not leave your pets and kids in your vehicle. Two, always stay hydrated in hot weather. Three, avoid exercise during the hottest times of the day. Four, stay in air conditioning as much as possible. Five, when traveling, stay sky aware. Check the forecast, prepare for unsafe driving conditions, thunderstorms, and tornadoes. High temperatures kill hundreds of people every year, but most heat-related deaths and illnesses are preventable. If we all slow down, take some time, check on our loved ones, and enjoy the beautiful season. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. I hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, don't sign anything until you've talked to us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Bradshaw and Bryant. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the JB's Low Tech Podcast. I said today's guest, if he was an athlete, would be called a slash. Well, I also said he's not an athlete. He is a comedian, an actor, and motivational speaker. His name is KJ the Comic. What's up, KJ? Yeah, what's up? What's up, JB's? Yes, KJ the Comedian, but Comic is cool, too. That's my YouTube <laughs> okay. Yeah, <clears throat> well... Right. It's so good, man. <laughs> so where we find you this Saturday morning? I'm in uh LA. I'm uh just finished wrapping up on the shoot for HBO and uh, I can't really talk about it. Yeah, but, I can imagine so. that. <laughs> but yeah, just working as an actor and uh just uh been having a good time just chilling. Well that's just hanging out. Go well that's ahead. good to hear. Um so with all my guests I kind of give them an opportunity to uh, tell their origin story, where they grew up, and how they fell into the life they lead now. So, oh, okay, yeah. With well, that, my, go ahead. No, I was going to say it? with that, just um, tell us your story. Wow, well, I have a very unusual story. Uh, <laughs> very unusual. I grew up in a lot of cities. I was born in Omaha. Okay. Grew up Grew up in Toledo, Ohio, uh, middle school, a little bit of high school, back to Omaha. No, there were stops, a lot of stops on the way, I'm lying. Uh, 
there was New Jersey, uh, Newark, New Jersey. There was Rochester, New York. There was Kansas City, Missouri. I think Detroit. And then finally back to Omaha for my last two years of high school. Played um, basketball and went to play at Southern University, New Orleans, University of New Orleans. Then the Mardi Gras messed up my GPA. And, <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, New Orleans. After I hooped there, they sent me to – where did they send? Oh, I went to Missouri Western State College to finish okay. out. Then went to the NBA Summer League. In LA, they had that Loyola Marymount play. Had a couple of teams of interest. Was it uh, the Timberwolves in North Carolina? So I came here to just explore the, the game. I remember calling my auntie who lived here. Her name Renee. She passed away. Bless her heart now. But right. she, she's the reason I got here because I called her up. I said, Hey, auntie, I'm out in Cali. How is Minnesota? She's like, Oh, you love Minnesota. The white girls love brothers. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> For real. And then I said, I said I'm on my way. <laughs> All right, well. <laughs> so, that's how I did. But then the comedy uh, aspect of myself, um, I didn't even know I was going to fall into comedy. I was just kind of doing it in the classroom when I was teaching uh, high school or whatever and just trying to get kids to behave. And right. so the only way I could keep their attention was I had to roast them up all day, every day. I oh, okay. To, I had to roast them up, and uh, they, you know, and then um, I went to improv theater at Brave New Workshop. I did a monologue about my dad teaching me how to drink, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then they gave me a full scholarship. I did all the, all the classes, did plays, and then one of my instructor. Said I should try stand up, and then that first year of stand up was hard because I would. It seemed like I was performing sketches and not, not knowing how the joke format right. was, was was go. Uh, I knew how to write sketches, but I didn't know how to write jokes. So I bought about a half dozen of joke writing books and, and went to work, went to comedy one on one on it, and then after about a, a year or two, three maybe, I found my voice. I found my style, found my, my rhythm with it, and I found how to write jokes. And then before I got into that, I had about five five videos go viral, and they were featured on TMZ, CBS. I didn't know how to brand it at the time, but mm-hmm. I had this yeah, I had this Whopper Freakout video. It was about like it was it was a spinoff, like a spoof for three white guys. But Burger King ran out of uh, Whoppers, and right. so uh, me and Two other comedians, Kevin Kraft, Kevin Kraft and Asa Thibodeau, we decided to, you know, use our our skill set. One, uh, Asa was a filmmaker, so it's three comedians and well, two comedians and one internet comedian. So Asa, he didn't he didn't stick with being a stand up. Uh, I told him the emojis weren't real, but he didn't want to hear it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he quit. He quit doing stand up. But me and Kevin Kraft kept going, and so. Um, yeah, man, I that's how I got into stand up and and year five I was gonna quit until uh I ran into Lewis Black Black at Detroit Comedy Festival. Yeah. Lewis Black. Yeah. So that was like one of my breakthrough performances. I was gonna quit comedy. I'm like, I don't do well here to hell with comedy. I'm <laughs> done. Right. And uh I, absolutely I was in the 
green room. I used to drink back then. And I was nervous. And, and uh, Lou was like, hey, man, just relax. Go out and have fun, man, you know. And then uh, I said, yeah, you're probably right. And Kathleen Madigan, Madigan was in the green room, too. Mm-hmm. I went out and I murdered it. Oh, I murdered it. And uh, I, I never felt such high, great energy laughs. And I'm like, oh, this is how real stand-up is. And uh, that's when I really became addicted to stand-up comedy. Um, well, let me backtrack, if you don't mind, for a second. Yeah. You, and if you, if you don't not feel comfortable answering this question or any question I ask, that's fine. Um, first of all, first of all, are there any language restrictions? Because no, I'm, I'm trying not to cuss. <laughs> I just want to cuss when I talk. No, there's no language restrictions. Okay. Um, <laughs> um cool. and if it's really um, if something I worry about, I can edit it. So okay, yeah, okay. Um. But my first question is, why did you move? Why did your family move around? If I can ask that a lot. Well, my mother, I think she was a part a little bit of uh, trying to minister to people and understand the movement about us understanding our rights, and and then she was looking for a better life, and mm-hmm. Omaha, Omaha wasn't it. I remember we moved to Toledo, and she was trying to be a nurse and get into ministry and. You know, and, uh, my mom was gorgeous. So all these ministers, would, you know, would try to hit on her and stuff, and she wasn't going for that. And so we'd be we'd be up and moving again. You know, church. A lot of people think the church is a place where, you know, there's integrity and 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 good good righteousness, and mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's the opposite of that. And oh, my yeah. mom experienced that, and she would pack us up. No, this ain't the right church for me. These cats trying to hit on me. They think I'm some type of hoe. Mm-mm, get y'all shit together. We fit to get the hell up out of here. Off we are to a different place. <laughs> trying to search for another nursing job and trying to provide for all of us. And, uh, yeah, that's how it went, man, you know? And yeah. just a lot of stops along the way. And then, you know, she would listen to King and Malcolm X. She was always trying to make me read and be educated about my culture and my history and so and then my parents divorced when i was five but my, but i had a relationship both of them throughout my whole life well that's been good close to both, both of my parents right even though the divorce when i was young my father never stopped being in my life he passed away a few four years ago with, with cancer liver cancer but he's always been a positive influence i tell people all the time my pops was the best living room comedian I ever seen. <laughs> yeah, every family has one or two. I had a yeah. I had a couple of uncles and uh, whatnot who were who were like that. And I, I <clears throat> now give your mother props for not putting up with that crap either. You know, she was there to worship and not yeah. to be hit on hit on or have guys yeah. make move on her. You know, she's there to worship the Lord. I'm not a really <laughs> religious per- person. I'm a kind of what you would say a spiritual person but yeah um no i give her props my my grandfather was a baptist minister and oddly enough we were raised catholic so figure wow. that way <laughs> yeah, yeah my dad my dad's dad was a baptist minister but my mother was catholic so we were raised catholic so wow so i always have this religious uh, conflict going on in my in my head so I just. Well, I, mean, I, I I think a lot of people do, man. A lot of people, you know, they don't understand that that with all the religion in the world, the world hasn't got really a lot lot better. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's. And, and, and religion is based on 
man's ideal and philosophy of life that religion is religion is not the 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 end all or the forthright or you know what I mean it's it's supposed to be using concepts helping humanity and a lot of time it doesn't serve that purpose. Well it's my mother always told told me told me and my eight siblings when we were young and um and this nation probably needs to follow this. Nothing starts wars more than religion and politics. She's right. Yeah. Your mom is a wise way. Yeah, and you can see this country's almost gone to hell in a handbasket over both. So yeah. I'll I'll just leave it at that. No, you're right. It's a good point there. So, so yeah. So as you were teaching and you were uh, reaching your students through through comedy, or as you said, roasting them. Was there somebody yeah. at the school who said, "Dude, you need to get into comedy"? Um, yeah, the students. <laughs> <laughs> students asked me, "Why are you here? I've seen your video on YouTube." Oh, Mr. KJ, do you know your Whopper Freakout got twenty million hits? I'm like, "What? Let me see that video." <laughs> <laughs> so, the students told me. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. It's like, it's like, why are you here? You should be. Hollywood, you should be acting, Mr. KJ. You know, you be G'd up in here looking good. You look like you look better than Steve Harvey. You know, they they just gas me up and stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, what were you teaching, or what grade were you teaching? High school. Okay. Um, I started off in the district. I actually started off in the district as a support staff, uh, and my first classroom experience was first of all they were elementary kids i used to coach basketball at this this uh school over by the river i think it was river something i don't know it was an elementary school i can't remember the name of it that's how long it's been and then my next position was autism okay yeah i taught a blind guy how to lift weight oh yeah man it was really dope and yeah. then they had a program called q collaborative urban educator at st thomas i took the program went through it and then decided to get uh you know, some, some teaching license or whatever. And then I did that. And then I was at Henry and Life Skills. Mm -hmm. That special ed level, I think, one through four. You know, so you deal with IEP and education plans. And then you deal with, you deal with um, a lot of, a lot of challenging students. And then I was at, uh, I worked at North for a short while, Edison. And then at the end of my career, I was at Dunwoody Charter School where, um, I was the um, like I was everything. I was the I was the building sub for. Right. Like, I taught all the classes. I was security. I worked <laughs> room. I worked the bus. Right. I worked. I worked the whole. I did everything but be the administrator. <laughs> well, I understand what you're saying. I worked at uh, uh, a school in Northeast Minneapolis for a couple of years, and I was mm -hmm. a paraprofessional for. Uh, a uh, couple of young men who were autistic. So I definitely yeah. understand the, you know, the whole thing you're talking about, individual learning plans and all those things. Yeah. And um, so, and it's interesting that um, when you work in uh, underserved com communities, you uh, wind up, um, not to use the term again, but um, no, no better term fits, being a slash, like you were saying, Teacher slash bus driver slash this yeah. slash that. Oh yeah, they 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 they, they max you out. Yeah, pimp you out. 
Yeah, okay. And Mac pimp you out, man. I'm like, but so when I got laid off, remember recession hit when Obama was in office? Right. I was doing comedy on the weekend, and I just told my wife, I said, babe, I ain't going back in class. I'm kind of done with that. I'm going to make this comedy thing work. And I was making enough income to make it work. It was a struggle for a little while with it, but then I was making it work. And she was like, oh, you really you really want to do this? I'll support you. It's been a ride or die shit. Well, that's really good to hear because uh, a lot of not only wives or girlfriends or people in general and in comics lives look at him and go you're gonna do what you're gonna you're gonna give up what to tell jokes or try to be funny or be a clown and they don't understand it and then when they you know i hear story after story when that person breaks and gets on stage and um has things really going on then it sets in for them it it must be the fear factor for them of having somebody they love fail yeah i mean you you your your support system has got to understand all the intricacies of the business you're in the entertainment business can be a like dave Chappelle said it can be a monster right but you really have to understand the business from a perspective of to me integrity spiritual energy and just and understand that it's just an aspect of life it's not your whole life it's just an aspect something you have love and passion for so you have to compartmentalize compartmentize or compartmentalize the things you do in life mm-hmm. like you have to really sometimes step back and learn the business side of what you're in like how do I move forward? You know, because if you do the same things and you, you know, you're just going to get the same results. So as you learn the business you're in, you want to do different things so you get different results. Like, you know, learning how to book yourself and manage yourself and learn how to book acting gigs and learn how to write scripts and learn how to write sketches, produce them, learning how to learn how the showrunners pick up shows, how, who's Netflix, uh, uh, lawyers, how they buy and sell content, how, um, the whole engine of this thing works. So you have to really take your time and just, you know, be a student of your craft, be a student of business and, and, and want to learn business because it's a business, it's entertainment business and it requires you to learn a lot of stuff. And then you got to have a partner that understands that what you've involved in your, and you share that process with her. She probably don't understand the creative stuff that goes into joke writing. My right. wife, when we go out to dinner, whatever, she always stealing my jokes, stepping on my punchline. <laughs> I'm like, man, you ain't wrote one joke around here. You know my material better than me. <laughs> Is she the first one to tell you when something's not funny? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They, she'll let you know quick. And is she wrong most of the time, or is she right most of the time? No, she she right. She don't. Some some bitch she don't. She some bitch she'll say, "Oh, I didn't see that developing, but now I get it. It's funny now." I said when you first start, did she understand? Oh, she'll tell her girlfriend, "Oh, it's, that's in that's in the." She said that's in the development process. She knows. She knows. She's like, "Oh yeah, he developing that. Wait till he get it. It's gonna be fire." You know, she'll say stuff like that to her girlfriend. You know what I mean? So she'll say stuff. She knows now, but she knows when it's funny. She knows what's funny and what's not funny. 
Right. She even she even she watched so much comedy. She even know when comics steal other comics material. Yeah, that's um, that's where the term hack comic comes into. You know. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um. So, do you believe you were born funny, or you've made yourself funny? Because there's a great debate out there on that. That most comics believe they were born funny. Here's the thing. I don't think anybody knows what they're born to do. I think you explore life's possibility as they come. I don't think we know if, you know, if we have a sense of humor until we discover what a sense of humor is or until we, until we learn what, you know, nobody, you know, who people say they are oh, born funny. Oh, you, you, how you know? <laughs> That's what I say. How you know? I mean, you, I think sometimes you have some natural gifts that are funny, or you have some natural tendencies, that's some things that lend, lend itself toward the craft of comedy. But I think we all are born with the possibility of developing things as far as being a comedian, developing yourself or your gift or your talent or your skill uh, in comedy. But like, I think, I just don't think we all know what we born to do. I think we discovered those things. Well said. <laughs> um, so I'm going to backtrack again. I have a lot of, I used to work in college athletics for 40 years and um, I have a lot of people that listen to my podcast who are former coworkers and they're probably screaming at me. Hey dummy, why didn't you ask him what, how, what type of athlete he was or how good he was or how good he thinks he was. Well, let me say this. Um, my freshman year at Southern University in New Orleans, I was a pretty good athlete. My team sucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I I came back. I was at the HBC school. I came back my sophomore year, and I remember this story vividly. And I walked in the office getting ready to, thinking I'm going to pick up my my uh, scholarship check or whatever. And then I get a call and they say, oh, something wrong with the scholarship money. We don't have no scholarship money yet. And all I remember is I can't go back to the projects. So I, I went, I found out the University of New Orleans was playing. Mm-hmm. And, and I just walked on over there. I played, I played out of my mind. I didn't have but probably $28 left in my name. I stand with a friend. And I went over there, played out of my mind, and they said, "Hey, listen, um, we can send you to a JUCO in, in uh, Mississippi, or we can send you to a uh, JUCO in Florida." You know, I was like, "Well, send me to Florida. It sounds like right. they got better weather." <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so I went to Florida. I played, and then I earned enough scholarship at Missouri Western State. Well, I didn't earn it there, but I, I played enough to. I went back home, and then I went to Missouri Western State uh, College in St. Joe with some friends and same thing. I just, my mom said, you know, you ain't going to sit around here. <laughs> right. Ain't you tired of these projects? I said, I am. He said, yeah, go on and play with Mark. And, you know, my high school teammate, Mark Ross said, yeah, come on, mm-hmm. man, let's go. Let's go. Get up. Get up. I went down there, played so good, and I played well. The coach came back. He came back and offered me scholarship for the next two years. As a matter of fact, I wasn't even eligible my junior junior year, so I lived on campus and took classes and just practiced. Right. And in my senior year, because they were going, they were trying to go D one or something like that. I lost half a year. It was a mess, man. 
I was so frustrated. And then I played better. Right. When I got to the NBA free agent. My first game, I had like 21 points, 20 rebounds. I was like, now this is the player I know. <laughs> <laughs> I balled out of my mind. And then I used to work out. I wouldn't, I'm a, I've always been like a heady player, a very good athlete, but a heady player. Um, what position did you play? I could play two, three, or four. Okay. So I could. I had range enough to shoot. My mid-range game was more solid than my three-point game, but my post game was strong. At six six, I could post up a bigger player and just you know give them the. I get. I I I call it the BK. I give them the BK work, the Bernard <laughs> King work. Right. I give them that. Them shimmies like uh, Akeem Olajuwon down there. <laughs> Give him that up and on it, uh, got him up. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, I make no noise, but I'd be killing. Uh, ah, gotcha, let's go. Uh, gotcha, let's go. That was my favorite thing, you know. Or I holler, ass, that's ass. That's ass. That's ass. Let's go. Let's go the other way. You know, I used to talk a little stuff, but not a lot, man. But I was a, I think I was a very, very good player, but just had the wrong type of coaches most of the time. Yeah, I played in this one league called. Uh, IBA International Basketball Association. We scored for Winnipeg and play, and it was a cool little. It's like a CBA kind of league, but it was cool. And I met this beautiful girl. She used to work for Air Canada, and that was like me and her was like real cool because I stayed up there for a while at the end of the season, but I was single. And it was just fun. You sure you? Then, you sure you you want your wife to hear that, or does she know that story? You know it. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know. I told her I got a whole history before her. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all normally do, but we, <clears throat> our partners maybe sometimes don't want to hear it. So, uh, no, I told her. Okay. <laughs> um, so you you call yourself KJ? Yeah. Uh, and um, can you? And again, if you don't want to or don't feel comfortable, but can you say or pronounce your Full real name for, for people. Okay, thing. My full real name is pronounced Kaliki Javed or Javid. In America, they pronounce it Kaliki. Yeah, Kaliki. But in in the African language of tree, in West African language of Yoruba, it's is 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 the the e the e tends tends to an a sound like ah uh, ka ka. And then and you and you can be la or lay. So in the last word is key, so it's kalaiki. And then the Javid or Jave, which is African name. So my name means thank God alive and living. And I the name is uh representation of the ancestors. Okay. So and, and the first name comes from the tribe of Igbo, like uh, West Africa, Nigeria. <laughs> And uh, when you handed me your business card, I looked at that and I went, I have absolutely no chance of pronouncing <laughs> <No, laughs> <no>. that. <laughs> that's why I tell the LC, man, just say the two initials and bring me up, man. You can keep <laughs> my name, man. Just say the two initials. Just call me KJ the comedian, man. I got time to be messing around with y'all like that, man. <laughs> just, just get me up, KJ the comedian. Now, I'm making it easy for you, man. Well, so. and... <laughs> It is easy, um, and it's funny because my last name is Blackshear. Pretty simple. Mm -hmm. It's spelt like it's it's, uh, it's pronounced like it's spelled, 
and mm-hmm. I would have people butcher it all the time. It's like you're looking at it. It's black and sheer. Black sheer. Black sheer. <laughs> How hard is it? <laughs> yeah, your name is simple. You just got two names right. together. Black sheer. Yeah. It's not hard. But, but they look at my name, they like, hey, I'll see Bill Collector's car. They're like, is it a Kiniki? Is it Kibiki? Kibiki? Kiliki? Bud? I'm like, hell no, nah, you don't live. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> well, I'm going to take a break here, sir. Okay. From my sponsor, and then we'll come back and get more into uh, deeper into your uh, what you got going on now, and how we met, and um, and uh, finished talking. So. So we'll be back here with KJ, the comedian slash actor slash motivational speaker here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Our summers are so short in Minnesota, it can be easy to forget about important safety measures. And when extreme heat is involved, safety is even more critical. Here are a few things to remember to keep you and your loved ones, including your pets, safe and comfortable. One, remember to not leave your pets and kids in your vehicle. Two, always stay hydrated in hot weather. Three, avoid exercise during the hottest times of the day. Four, stay in air conditioning as much as possible. Five, when traveling, stay sky aware. Check the forecast and prepare for unsafe driving conditions, thunderstorms, and tornadoes. High temperatures kill hundreds of people every year, but most heat-related deaths and illnesses are preventable. If we all slow down, take some time, check on our loved ones, and enjoy the beautiful season. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. I hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, don't sign anything until you've talked to us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Bradshaw and Bryant. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the JB's Low Tech Podcast. I'm joined here today by KJ the Comedian. Um, and uh, we had been talking about his uh, past life and his travels and, and whatnot. And now we're going to get more into what he's doing today. And um, during, during my two uh, bumper music breaks, played a little cameo for you today so i got into the cameo funk just for you you remind me somebody who would hang out with cameo so oh, i like <laughs> which part which song did you play i love cameo uh the first one was um candy oh and then like candy. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and the second one was shake your pants so your pants, shake your pants. Yeah. <laughs> that bass, that bass. I oh, love yeah. old school music, man. I'm an old school music kind of guy. Oh, man. I love old school. That's all I listen to. Yeah. I, um, I, like I said, you know, I had eight siblings. And my dad, you know, my parents were married uh, 58 plus years. And, oh, uh, wow. That, that yeah. is extraordinary. 
Sure. Yeah, they got married at 18, had their first kid at 19, and had their last kid at uh, 33. So, wow. And um, you know, we were we're all you know college degree and whatnot. So we you know we had a great um, family life, even though we were poor in St. Louis. And um, but we you know we never knew we were poor, but we were poor, <laughs> we were poor, and you know nine uh, kids and. Nice. Nine kids and two parents in, in three bedrooms. So, you know, there was a boy's Uh-oh. room and a girl's room, and then my parents had their own room. But there was... Oh, no, I was just going to say that there there was never any wants and uh, any needs that we were aware of. So it just seemed like everything was always taken care of. But one thing that flowed in the house was always music. My dad was a, a weekend DJ. He would... Um, party at house uh, he would dj at houses and and bars and and uh loki local events and um so music was always playing because he was always checking out what what was you know going on what was hot what was <clears throat> the next thing coming even after he after he retired and uh slowed down in life he would go to the park and hang out and he would still take music you know he would uh-huh talk to my nieces and nephews and find out what was uh what was hot and take the latest music download it somehow and take the latest music to the park for people to, to listen to so that's pretty cool man your pop seemed like he was a cool cat man and the fact that he raised all y'all and, and you guys never felt like you know because i had i came up i have eight brothers and sisters and i have two cousins um my auntie dropped off two cousins and never came back okay uh, yeah, so it was ten of us, and we always four of us, three, four of us was ball players. So we always kind of, you know, stayed busy, stayed out the house, and just stayed at on the court. I mean, kind of stayed out the way. But yeah, com- uh, music, comedy, and basketball was always the talk of the household. But we had a few wish me sandwiches. You ever had a wish me sandwich? I I never had one. My older siblings talk about having them. (laughs) Two slices of bread and wish you had some meat. (laughs) Yep. Yep, We had a few wish me sandwiches. Right. (laughs) But yeah, man. Are they talking about sugar sandwiches? Yeah, I didn't like sugar sandwiches. (laughs) Mm I'd rather just do the mayonnaise and bread. It's just like, you know what? I wish I had some meat, but right. Yeah. No, but it's, it's interesting because, you know, and I know it's a struggle to turn, turn that life around for some people, but you can. And, um, I always try to pull when I was working in schools and whatnot, Mm -hmm. try to pull young people aside and say, you know, you, you can, you can always turn this around. Just keep doing what you're doing. Stay in school. Um, find an interest, uh, find something that you like that you can turn into uh, a vocation when you get older. You know, mm-hmm. just uh, don't buy into the process that, you know, this is how you were b- brought in the world and this is how you're going to stay. So, Absolutely, man. Kudos to you for having that mindset for them. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's what it's about. I mean, you're absolutely right because, like, I think one thing when I was teaching at Henry, um, this guy named John Barr did a TV special because I was allowed to to let kids express 
their creativity through spoken word. We have like an open mic uh, on Fridays, half a day, mm-hmm. and they would get up and they would. I would bring in some hip hop instrumentals and they would get up and spit their rhymes and and man, it was a good time for them. But yeah, and it was a good time for me too. And honestly, I forgot to mention that you know I delve in music a lot. I have there's a site called Number One Music. And I have like three songs up there. One is called The Art of Life. I have this other character called Late Night Poet. Okay. And one is called one is called The Art of Life. The other one is called Baby Africa. And I have one other song called Spiritual Love up there. And a couple of times Spiritual Love Love had, had and Art of Light reached number one on the charts there. But before I was a comedian, I was a spoken word artist. Most people the old people, old people or older know that know me. They call me late night. That's another nickname because my my other my other my music uh, title is late night poet. That was my spoken word name. Right. And uh, I recently just finished writing a book. You know, I put all my poems in a book, and I just haven't decided how to publish it yet. Okay. Yeah. But well, I'm a lyricist. I'm a lyricist. I right. write lyrics, and I perform with instrumental music. I actually have a CD out. It's on it's on my YouTube page. Yeah, I have a nephew who's uh, he's a up and coming artist, a rapper, and mm-hmm. um, he's got a couple of tunes that that are floating out there and been well received on YouTube and you know on mm-hmm. uh, Apple Play and whatnot. So he all you can do is you know, as my dad would say, keep on living. <laughs> keep on yeah. trying so that's true yeah that's true so i met you backstage after uh kevin bozeman recorded his his soon or latest um endeavor and i i believe it's an album and right. uh and um you know i had been following kevin for for at least three four years since he uh at least my first time seeing him at um, Acme Comedy Club, and mm-hmm. then got a surprise that Greg Coleman, uh, the second, was performing <laughs> there also before Kevin. Right. So it's like, well, I might as well complete the set and have the third guy that I <laughs> that I spoke to the night on the show. But um, thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Right. So who? Um, who were your comedy influences when you were growing up and who are your hangs now, as they say? Well, my comedy influencer first off started with my dad. You know, we call him Mr. P pops. Uh, and he was, he was a living room comedian. I was, uh, I was always a lot of his punchline. I wasn't a, a good kid all the time. Okay. I used to make, I used to make some, some mistakes do some stuff that were, you know, it, it, he would just, he had fun roasting me, you know, because of some stuff I did, you know, like one time I got, he said, I, I thought he said I could use the car, but he, but he had, he had been drinking. So I misinterpreted what he was saying. And, and so he, th- he said, I, you know, I, I stole the car. He said, I stole the car. And I said, no, you said, I used to, no, you know, I didn't. And then when I came back, I did act like I stole it because I, I tried to come in quietly and I thought I put the car in the park and I didn't. 
and cars start rolling backward because it was in neutral. And then Uh-oh. you have another car that's parked horizontally, but this car is rolling back um, from from the driveway vertically. And so the door hit the other car, door almost came off, and he was mad. He was livid. And uh, so he he just talks about it. But he was my comedic influence because he talked about everybody. Everybody and everything, you know. He had, he had weird little one, one-liners and things that I, I to, to this day, I just now start understand. Like if you, if we would like when I would stay with my mom, she make me stay with sometime, and I leave the lights on. He like he would say stuff like, "Turn that white man off," you know. Like, hey, I didn't know that was the white man. Yeah, turn that white man off. You ain't gonna pay that white man bill, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I turn up the heat. Turn that white man down. I'm like, well, I know that was a white man too. Said, yeah, uh, he said. And then uh, one day, I asked him. He he said, I he said uh, these three white ladies came to the door. And I said, hey, pause. These three white ladies at the door. He said, ask them are they bill collector. I said, he said, are y'all bill collectors? He said, no, we from Avon. He said, oh boy, ain't you got no manners? Let them in. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 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 so, yeah, he was just. And then they came in. They tried to sell him some cologne. He said, "What you got?" He said, "I got some black suede that will put it put put it on me." And she put it on him. And, and he told her, "Don't you feel sexy now?" <laughs> <laughs> he was stupid, man. So uh, yeah, my dad was a big influence. And then I started researching in college. I, I always like Red Fox, Richard Pryor, uh, Dolomite. I liked all the old heads. Andrew Dice Clay, I liked um, man, Don Rinkos I can go on and on I was listening to stuff, not even knowing that I was going to be a comedian, but yeah my favorite is Red and, and Richard and um, and there's some new cats, I like Rodman the current current cats, I like mm-hmm. Earthquake, I like Tony Woods is a good friend of mine, Tony Woods a beast I like Dave, Chappelle um, Louis Black, I like all kinds it's very. I could go on and on, man. It's a lot. It's a lot. I'm a student of the craft, so anybody who takes this craft and 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 makes a difference in humanity and make people laugh and think are to me are great comedians. So you saw Eddie do a thing on Do- Dolom, or did you see the thing that Eddie did on Dolomite? And if you did, what I were did. your thoughts? Um, I, I my my thoughts were, you know, I thought he did a really good job. I mean, I thought. Eddie did a really good job. I thought they told a really good story, a very interesting story too. Um, um, but Dolomite took his character from somebody on the streets and right. and just took it to another level, which is interesting because in the industry we in that happens a lot. Like for instance, say if I write a joke and then somebody else, a bigger name, comic have have the same premise of a joke. And I might have started it a year or two before him, and he came up with a similar premise of the joke. So all of a sudden, the validity of the joke gets higher, higher recognition because of his his exposure mm-hmm. and not mine. And that happens a lot where I feel like um, I may have a bit that a lot of other comics might have a similar bit to. Uh, whether it's be like, uh, you know, you wake up and you forget to put your clothes on and you got to wake your son up and look for a job. Or and now the bit is changed where a comic, a 
pretty big name comment might have a bit like that about his kid catching him with no clothes on. And but you know you started your bit years before him, and so you can't even. There's nothing you can do about it, you know. So that's the nature of, I guess, comedy. So, but when it happens for me, it, it just makes me dig even deeper into very, very unique stuff that um, I just think other people don't experience, but maybe the universe needs to hear the experience. And so some stuff is I write sometimes it's observational material where I know um, it's supposed to be shared with humanity. And then some things comes from very deep-rooted personal experiences. Yeah, I was just about to ask you what would you uh, say what your comedy style is? And you well, just, oh, well no. yeah, yeah, I was starting out. Well, my comedy style, I would say I'm like this cool, like, laid-back, Uncle Breeze. I'm working on this character right now for sketch kind of called Uncle Breeze. So I'm an older gentleman, but I'm like hip, cool, and I know a lot about the younger generation and the older generation. And but my style is like observation, traditional, set up punchline, storyteller. Then I might add like one liners in and then I might do some poetic influence. So I'm like a guy who who, if, if I'm painting uh, on a canvas, I, I use multiple colors uh, to to reach, uh, to enjoy audience. So I'm very versatile. A little bit, it's, it seems complex, but I'm just extremely versatile because I study so many different styles of writing that I, I, I use a little bit here or there to make my own style, like observation, tradition, uh, one-liners, storyteller, so I might I might go from a traditional joke to a storytelling bit to a one liner to a traditional bit and then uh, back and then that whole cycle starts all over again in a different way. So, um, yeah, it's like it's like I'm playing my own album for right. Well, and also want to you know, take a step back here and, and uh, let people who are unaware of Dolomite. It would be a great research for you to uh, go and listen, but don't do it around your children. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, is definitely not PG. <laughs> no, <laughs> that was a, that was the stuff that uh, parents listened to when they had company back yeah. <laughs> when I was when I was a kid. You know, you, yeah. we're having company, and you can't come in the room. It's like I want company. <laughs> right. Yeah. Why no, can't you, I have company? <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed to listen to that. I mean, I didn't. I didn't get hip to it until college when you know we was playing the album or, yeah, the tapes in the late '80s. So, I didn't get hip to it until then. I got it in the '70s, but in a very odd way. Dolomite and Richard Pryor. Uh, mm-hmm. I was a Boy Scout. Oh, okay. And we would go, you know, our weekend uh, camping trips or our summer week long. Right. Uh, trip and there was a guy in the troop that always had the cassette mm-hmm. of that and we would you know we'd do our thing all day long and then the word would pass through that hey you know it's not, you know there's nothing formal going on tonight so meet at such and such tent and we're going to put they're going to play you know dolomite or eddie uh not eddie murphy uh uh, Richard Pryor and we um <laughs> so that's why I heard it way before I was supposed to but you know 
I can tell you it had an effect on my life. I was like, wow, not only the, the you know, after a certain point you get past the dirty talk and you get in more into what they're talking about and the shared life experiences that they are relating or their life yeah. uh, life experience period that they're relating through their their medium and um so that that made me a, a comedy fan at a very young age and um believe it you talk about lewis black um the comedian that blew my mind in high school was um believe it or not steve martin Oh, Steve Martin, yeah. yeah, very, very physical comedian, physical right. comic, yeah. yeah. You know, the, his thing, the way he said things, how he acted on stage, you know, it was, you know, and you have different form of uh, physical comedy. I mean, yeah. even uh, Steve, um, why am I blanking his name? Uh, does um, Family Feud, Steve? Um, oh, Steve. What was that? Steve. Was that Steve Harvey? Steve Harvey, yeah. Even he is a, a physical comedian. If you watch him, you know, he does things with his feet and his hands and his eyes and, you know, yeah. his face, facial expressions and whatnot. So, but yeah, mm -hmm. it was Steve Martin that just, it, it just blew my mind the way he, you know, he, he had that album, Let's Get Small. And um, mm -hmm. it just blew, you know, I was like, wow, what is, what am I listening to? What is this? It just, you know. It was just, and ever since then, even though I was exposed as a, you know, in sixth, seventh grade to, like I said, uh, Richard and Dolomite, it was, it was Steve Martin that was, that made me go, wow, what is this? Mm -hmm. How can you, you know, and that was doing yeah. the first, what they call the first big boom of comedy. Um, right. Because he was part of the, that first group of Richard and, um, himself and um robin williams and a ton of others who 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 danced through the door first and then the next group was um was like eddie and jerry seinfeld and those those people so yeah you if you wanted me to sit still and watch something get me a good stand-up comic or get me a a even better yet a um a bio on a, a comic and I'll sit there and like just be glued in because I find those people talk the truth and tell the truth and um, but also make you laugh, which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's comp. I always say is the last refugee of freedom of speech. And even now, the cancer culture is trying to step on our toes. You know what I mean? Just telling you you can't say this or that. And I understand. I think if if your material is intended to be for entertainment and you have the right intentions the right energy behind it i mean it shouldn't be a problem but you know, um i can't speak for other comedians but i can speak for those who do write uh edgy or controversial material their intent is not malicious their intent is is is, is to really be entertaining so uh, i think when you say the word joke that should be a disclaimer for cancer right. culture like you know it's it's not it's not literal. You are literal. You literally in the wrong place. <laughs> so. Well, and and I just you know because you look at people like Bill Burr and Dave Chappelle who are very controversial, but you don't hear people trying to cancel them. Right. And that's because they handle the subject and the subject matter so uh, you know straight on. I guess you would say. So who are some of your comedy hangs? Who do you hang out with? If you don't mind sharing that. 
uh, who I hang out with yeah. in front comedy circle. Um, I have a friend, uh, Tony Woods is cool when, when I get I love work with Tony Woods. Um, Ellis Wind, he's out in LA. Um, and in the city, I hang out with everybody from young to old. Uh, let me see. Mike Brody, I hang out. No, uh, Ali Sutton, uh, Mike Brody. Um, I hang out with everybody. Uh, Shed G, uh, Pierre Douglas. Oh, Kevin Kraft is one of my good buddies. Kevin mm-hmm. Kraft, he was with he was with me on the Walker Freakout. So he'll come, he'll show up, and we'll play basketball together. So, so you still uh, hooping, huh? Yeah, I still hoop twice a week. I got a son that's getting this close to six seven, and and he's going into his junior year. So I'm trying to stay in shape for him, and and I and I mentor and personal train on the side. I personal train hoopers and stuff like that. Um. Uh, kids who are going coming into their senior year this year, I give them a little, you know, I give them some footwork. It's just just basically showing them how to train, and I, you know, I work with their, with them, and um, on the side, I'm could be I'm completing a course for life coaching. Uh, so I'm trying to figure figure out how to have, uh, you know, if you grew up like we grew up, born in the '60s, and you grow, you go through life, you try to keep a. You, one thing COVID has taught me, you got to keep a few hustles and yeah. a few entrepreneurship. You can't just rely on a job. And I don't have a job. So I'm full time. So I have to find ways of, to innovate myself. I'm currently working on a project called Athletes Channel. I can't speak about it, but UPR okay. is working UPR is working with us, United Patent Research. Mm-hmm. I, I'll get into the pitch phase of that pretty soon. But I can just generally say that, uh, you know, it's a great concept. Uh, and we're trying to go from concept to product of, uh, yeah, just helping athletes have a, a platform where they can brand their own likeness. And that's pretty much all I can say about that. So, Oddly enough, uh, two, three weeks ago, Mike Brody was on my podcast. So here we, okay. go, again. Here we go again. Somebody that we uh, have in common. Um, yeah. He just hit me up yesterday about working at the House of Comedy October fifth through the tenth. So okay, so are you uh, are you based in Minneapolis or based in L.A.? I'm based in Minnesota, Minneapolis. And okay, like I stay out close to Maple Grove, Ostego, whatever. So yeah, and then uh, I come back and forth, like because I book my I book I have an agent out here for acting, and then I book a lot of stuff too on my own. So the other day I was doing something for HBO. I mean, like I said, I can't speak about it because you know when it came out here, you know, I didn't want to get sued. So <laughs> anyway, yeah. But anyway, I book a lot of stuff. Oh, I can do. I do. I can tell you this on September twenty fourth. Um, I I forgot the MMA fighter, but I play his dad, and it's gonna air on ESPN or whatever they're gonna air the fight. I'm in the pre-fight program, and it's sponsored by and it's for Venom athletic wear okay so i played his dad and uh but yeah so that's september 24th um i have to look out for that yeah so um yeah so don't spoil it though i think uh, i'm not even sure i'm <laughs> talking about it <laughs> well i'm not even sure you talking about hey read all the paperwork <laughs> right well i well, i don't know what you're talking about so yeah yeah you don't know what commercial about. Anyway, <laughs> but anyway, acting acting has been like for me. Uh, I started 
it's unusual to take sketch comedy before you try stand up or acting. But I'm I'm the type of person I'm so driven that if, once I learn uh, about being passionate and 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 bringing my life study because I'm a student of life too, so I bring life study into what I do. Like like there are three creative uh my, what's the word my, modalities modalities mm-hmm. uh, one is acceptance the other is enjoyment and others is, is enthusiasm and so uh, it, it's a formula for success for me it's a form it's a formula for success for me in terms of being present and enjoying every moment like I like over a year ago before COVID come out before they even announced it I even know I had it but I had COVID Mm-hmm. And I got through it. I tell people that COVID uh, uh, is like the police showed up with a warrant, without a warrant, and just started beating my ass for ten days. Yeah. And then on the eleventh day, I, 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 you know, the, the the big G came down. You know, the creator came down and said, you know, that's enough. That's enough. It's a good one here. Mm-hmm. You can't take him. So you know, the creator came down. Big G came down. That's that's enough. Take the handcuffs off. Got the wrong one here. And so ever since, ever since that happened, my 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 theme is to waste no days of life. Just enjoy uh, immensely being a comedian, a human being, a father, a brother, a uncle, a cousin. Just immensely enjoy life on on a level to be aware to be present, to be spiritual, physical, and just never waste any days of life. And so and that's that's pretty much my theme now since since uh because they ain't even you know, I didn't even know I had it, but yeah, I had it and and uh I've been great I've been great since I, I work out a lot and so playing basketball uh, twice a week is a great cardiovascular workout. But the recovery is hard as hell, I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> well I think I had it. It was never diagnosed, but I think I had it November of 2019. But it wasn't diagnosed, but I had a flu that lasted for three days and felt like nothing like I felt before. But at that point, you were only hearing about it, about being in overseas and in China and other countries. But it was like, I mean, it knocked me down, clearly knocked me down for one full day. The day before, yeah. I started to feel really crappy. Mm-hmm. Uh, knocked me down for that one day. The third day, I was like, bounced back. And then I was back to work by the, you know, by the fourth day. But, um, and then I had a supervisor who had a, a cough for yeah. weeks that he couldn't shake. Yeah. After that, and I, I uh, demanded a mask because <laughs> right. we we uh, one of the products that we carry a 3M mask with the um, respirator on, and I was like, uh, mm-hmm. I want one of those because I think he's infected. Because he went in and he got tested for flu and all the other respiratory stuff and he was like nope you don't have that you don't have that you don't have that and i was like okay i just got over something i don't want to be sick again and then um and i'd say a week or two later then they started saying that it was hitting the east coast and the west coast and i was like ah, that crap's here too but um yeah <laughs> it, was here, it was it was here way before they they told us 
Right. It was already here. It's already already in America. Because after I got through it, I said I had that symptom. I had the cough. I had that that really. Oh man, I thought I was gonna die. Just sweat. Right. Uh, not complete sweat. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I had to gargle, seesaw, and take eucalyptus and was taking vitamin D, vitamin C, elderberry. Me and my wife was throwing the brick at this stuff. And finally, day 10, it kicked it. You know what I mean? I prayed like, I, it was testing my life. Well, I got down and prayed for real. Right. Said, Lord, you, you have to take this up off me. <laughs> well, no, go ahead. And he did. I mean, day 11, it was gone. But it was a test. It was a, definitely a challenge. So I'm grateful that I was able to get through it. And, and, and now I'm just extremely health conscious. I'm a health nut, complete health nut. You know what I mean? I've been sober for eight years. I gave up marijuana 10 years ago. I'm just a complete health nut. Right. Complete. Love being a health nut. Well, that's cool. I I help a lot of friends, too, understand that, you know, food is living food and and food is energy. Food is our energy. And we got to be careful how we choose it and and understand what's in food and what we put in our body, especially processed food. We got to really... Be careful, especially as you get older. Mm-hmm. You got to pay more attention to details. Because I mean, you know. Yeah, i is... I've made a conscious decision to. Um, I'm not going to say that I'm going to totally cut out meat, but I am scaling back on how much I, you know, eat. Mm-hmm. You know, because I love steak and I love burgers and I, you know. And I, yeah. I love a good pork chop from J.D. Hoyt's or whatever, but I, I was like, I didn't think I need to start. And I was eating fish or seafood twice a week, and I think I need to switch those numbers and go uh, fish and seafood, you know, three, four times a week and maybe meat once or twice a week. So. Yeah, I've been off meat for three years now, but I was vegan before in my 30s, but I've been off meat. I do five days vegan, two days fish. That's what I do. That's my system. I created myself. I'm not a perfect uh, seven-day-a-week vegan, but I do five, a good five days, and I do two days. I want some walleye. I want some sea bass. I want some cod. I want some fish, a big salad, and I want some waffle fries. And I'm going to treat myself. I ain't going to beat myself. Right. <laughs> you know, I ain't going to beat myself up. I'm going to treat myself sometimes. So. <laughs> But those two days of fish are, are amazing. And I need them. I need the protein days. Oh, you know? yeah. But I would rather have water protein than animal protein. So that's just my theory. Right. And, you know, like I said, I used to love to eat. I I mean, I got out of veganism, and then I got in uh, a few years after I met with my second wife, whatever. But I got sick from some chicken real bad. So I was done. I was like, no. And I, I didn't eat beef or pork for two. 20 or 30, 25 years now anyway. So I don't eat that. There's always been either turkey or chicken and fish. But I got rid of turkey and chicken, and so now it's just down to fish and the rest is vegan. But there's some really great vegan stuff out there, though. Really great stuff. Yeah, and that market is developing more and more and more, and I'm going to have to dip my toe into that, too. The, you know, mm-hmm. the vegan burgers and um, and whatnot. Um I was trying to recall you had spoke about something. I I can't remember, but yeah, I need to. Um, you know, I'm 59, and I okay. just want to change my 
start changing my diet some. You know, I still, I still run two, three times a week, and um, um, just work on things. Oh, I remember what it was. You were talking about um, COVID hustles. That's when I, oddly enough, that's when I started this podcast, and okay. also when I started um, started a business. Uh, sports athletic sports equipment repair business <laughs> mm-hmm. you know something i can do out of my uh, condo or out of my car you know make sure. a little money here and there so and it's they actually have been very beneficial for me i never uh stopped working at my job mm-hmm. because i was an essential employee mm-hmm. but it was just the fact you know what things the way they were i had all this other free time and i was getting tired of just sitting here yeah and there's only so much working out you can do. So it's like, I got to do some other things. And I was part of another podcast in town that uh, Tom Bernard show. And um, he used to have comics in on Friday and they uh, stopped having a Friday show. And so mm-hmm. it was like, but one of the last things he told me was you need to do your own. And there was a guy that, uh, used to be on the KQRS morning show with me and Tom and several others named Philip mm-hmm. Wise. And he was always like, you need to do your own podcast. So it's like, I just woke up one morning and said, all right, I'm going to do it. I have no clue what I need and <laughs> how I'm going to pull this off. But, you know, through research and some uh, good friends and some good people in my life, they got me started and, this is where I'm at, and this is episode, uh, I think, 40. So, oh, wow. yeah. Congrats, congrats on that. Kudos, man. Maybe I'm going to have to ask you how to help me get started <laughs> one day. I'm always looking for a new hustle, you know. Always, just, especially when it pertains to voice and just getting other people's voices out and their, and their um, stories and opinions of, of what they do in life. You know, it's important. It's right. very important. Well, I have taken up an hour of your time, sir. I really appreciate it. I have learned a lot about you, but also learned some other things in life, which is uh, part of the reason why I started this podcast. The other part was to, uh, I wanted to write a book about my, uh, I call it unique life. Mm -hmm. And um, I couldn't write a book, so I just figured I'd do a podcast and just tell my story. So... You still can write the book too. And still think it's a podcast. I mean, the book is just an extra extension of who you are and what you want to say. You right. I mean, you, the book is just, you know I mean, it's just product. It's product of you, your story, your brand. And we, we all are, are, you know, there's probably over 7 billion people in this world. How many, how many of them are willing to tell their story? Not many. So. They're, they're very uncomfortable with doing that. So. Again, again, KJ, I want to thank you for uh, agreeing to come on and uh, sharing your story. And um, just keep knocking it down, man. It's just, it sounds great what you're doing. And um, thank you. You know, it, it's, you keep at it. That breaks, you know, that as they say, the big break, that's going to, sh- that's going to come for you. I'm, I'm, thank you. I'm 100% sure. But, uh, it's been a real good time having you on and um, stay Thank in you, touch. Jay. Yeah. 
I, I will, man. I'll stay in touch. Thank you for having me, and uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep uh, keep the podcast going, and just keep that. Keep your voice, and I mean, you're doing something great, and I appreciate you having me. And you know, have a have a great rest of the weekend too. Yeah, I'm quite sure I'll run into you at Acme or um, or at House of Comedy at some point. So, and you know. absolutely. Oh, that reminds me. Where can people check you out? Oh, yeah. Um, I, my social media is KJAY, the comedian, on Twitter. Uh, my website is www.kjthecomedian.com. Um, I'm KJ the Comedian on IG, Instagram. And then Facebook, I have a fan page, KJ the Comedian, uh, on Facebook. And then my regular page or personal page or just regular page is Kaleki Javay K-E-L-E-C-H-I first name last name J-A-A-V-A-I-D so you can find me on Facebook with those those handles all right well I just wanted to make sure people uh, know where to check you out and again thank you very much uh, uh, you're welcome thank you yeah Again, oh, just, and they can find me on YouTube too. Tell them they can look me up on YouTube at K, uh, KJY the comic on YouTube, or, or my first and last name too. So right, find me on. Well, again, thanks a lot, man. And this is uh, it's been the JB's Low Tech Podcast today with KJ the comedian, and it's been a blast. Thanks Boom, a lot. <laughs> It's been a blast. Thank you so much, brother. All right, take care. Yeah. You too. Bye. All right, bye-bye. JB is my name, and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Point on Negro, Black, African-American, Black, Black, Black. Django, JB. Damn, Dolomite. Great card in heaven, you know Our great Negro sex machine.